Chapter 11 of the Story of a Soul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Story of a Soul, the Autobiography of St. Therese of Lisieux. Translated by Thomas Taylor. Chapter 11 A Canticle of Love it is not only when he is about to send me some trial that our lord gives me warning and awakens my desire for it for years i had cherished a longing which seemed impossible of realization to have a brother a priest i often used to think that if my little brothers had not gone to heaven i should have had the happiness of seeing them at the altar i greatly regretted being deprived of this joy yet god went beyond my dream I only asked for one brother who would remember me each day at the holy altar, and he has united me in the bonds of spiritual friendship with two of his apostles. I should like to tell you, dear mother, how our divine master fulfilled my desire. In 1895, our holy mother, St. Teresa, sent my first brother as a gift for my feast. It was washing day, and I was busy at my work, when Mother Agnes of Jesus, then prioress, called me aside and read me a letter from a young seminarist in which he said he had been inspired by saint teresa to ask for a sister who would devote herself specially to his salvation and to the salvation of his future flock he promised always to remember the spiritual sister when saying mass and the choice fell upon me dear mother i cannot tell you how happy this made me such unlooked-for fulfillment of my desire awoke in my heart the joy of a child it carried me back to those early days when pleasures were so keen that my heart seemed too small to contain them years had passed since i had tasted a like happiness so fresh so unfamiliar as if forgotten chords had been stirred within me fully aware of my obligations i set to work and strove to redouble my fervor now and again i wrote to my new brother undoubtedly it is by prayer and sacrifice that we can help our missionaries but sometimes when it pleases our lord to unite two souls for his glory he permits them to communicate their thoughts and thus inspire each other to love god more of course an express command from those in authority is needed for this otherwise it seems to me that such a correspondence would do more harm than good if not to the missionary at least to the carmelite whose manner of life tends to continual introversion this exchange of letters though rare would occupy her mind uselessly instead of uniting her to god she would perhaps fancy she was doing wonders when in reality under cover of zeal she was doing nothing but producing needless distraction and here i am launched not upon a distraction but upon a dissertation equally superfluous i shall never be able to correct myself with these lengthy digressions which must be so wearisome to you dear mother forgive me should i offend again last year at the end of may it was your turn to give me my second brother and when i represented that having given all my merits to one future apostle i feared they could not be given to another you told me that obedience would double their value in the depths of my heart i thought the same thing and since the zeal of a carmelite ought to embrace the whole world i hope with god's help to be of use to even more than two missionaries I pray for all, not forgetting our priests at home, whose ministry is quite as difficult as that of the missionary preaching to the heathen. In a word, I wish to be a true daughter of the church, like our holy mother St. Teresa, 
and pray for all the intentions of Christ's vicar. That is the one great aim of my life. But just as I should have had a special interest in my little brothers had they lived, and that, without neglecting the general interest of the church, so now I unite myself in a special way to the new brothers whom Jesus has given me. All that I possess is theirs also. God is too good to give by halves. He is so rich that he gives me all I ask for, even though I do not lose myself in lengthy enumerations. As I have my two brothers and my little sisters, the novices, the days would be too short were I to ask in detail for the needs of each soul, and I fear I might forget something important. Simple souls cannot understand complicated methods, and, as I am one of their number, our Lord has inspired me with a very simple way of fulfilling my obligations. One day, after Holy Communion, he made me understand these words of the canticles, Draw me, we will run after thee to the odor of thy ointments. Canticles 1 verse 3 O oh, my Jesus, there is no need to say, In drawing me, draw also the souls that I love. These words, draw me, suffice. When a soul has let herself be taken captive by the inebriating odor of thy perfumes, she cannot run alone. As a natural consequence of her attraction towards thee, the souls of all those she loves are drawn in her train. Just as a torrent carries into the depths of the sea all that it meets on its way, so, my Jesus, does the soul who plunges into the shoreless ocean of thy love bring with it all its treasures. My treasures are the souls it has pleased thee to unite with mine. Thou hast confided them to me, and therefore I do not fear to use thy own words, uttered by thee on the last night that saw thee still a traveler on this earth. Jesus, my beloved, I know not when my exile will have an end. Many a night I may yet sing thy mercies here below, but for me also will come the last night, and then I shall be able to say, I have glorified thee upon earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to me. I have manifested thy name to the men whom thou hast given me out of the world. Thine they were, and to me thou gavest them, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things which thou hast given me are from thee. Because the words which thou gavest me I have given to them, and they have received them, and have known for certain that I came forth from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them whom thou hast given me, because they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, and these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, as we also are one. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy filled in themselves. I do not ask that thou take them away out of the world, but that thou preserve them from evil. They are not of the world, as I also am not of the world. And not for them only do I pray, but for those also who through their word shall believe in me. Father, I will that where I am, they also whom thou hast given me may be with me that they may see my glory which thou hast given me, because thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. And I have made known thy name unto them, and will make it known, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Footnote. Cross-reference John 17. End footnote. Yea, Lord, thus would I repeat thy words, before losing myself in thy loving embrace. 
Perhaps it is daring, but, for a long time, hast thou not allowed me to be daring with thee? Thou hast said to me, as the prodigal's father to his eldest son, All I have is thine. Luke 15, verse 31. And therefore I may use thy very own words to draw down favors from our Heavenly Father on all who are dear to me. My God, thou knowest that I have ever desired to love thee alone. It has been my only ambition. Thy love has gone before me, even from the days of my childhood. It has grown with my growth, and now it is an abyss whose depths I cannot fathom. Love attracts love. Mine darts towards thee, and would fain make the abyss brim over. But alas, it is not even as a dewdrop in the ocean. To love thee as thou lovest me, I must make thy love mine own. Thus alone can I find rest. O oh, my Jesus, it seems to me that thou couldst not have overwhelmed a soul with more love than thou hast poured out on mine, and that is why I dare ask thee to love those thou hast given me, even as thou lovest me. If, in heaven, I find that thou lovest them more than thou lovest me, I shall rejoice, for I acknowledge that their deserts are greater than mine. But now, I can conceive no love more vast than that with which thou hast favored me, without any merit on my part. Dear mother, what I have just written amazes me. I had no intention of writing it. When I said, The words which thou gavest me I have given unto them, I was thinking only of my little sisters in the novitiate. I am not able to teach missionaries, and the words I wrote for them were from the prayer of our Lord. I do not ask that thou shouldest take them out of the world. I pray also for them who through their word shall believe in thee. How could I forget those souls they are to win by their sufferings and exhortations? But I have not told you all my thoughts on this passage of the sacred canticles. Draw me, we will run. Our Lord has said, No man can come to me except the Father who hath sent me. Draw him. John 6, verse 44. And later he tells us that, Whosoever seeks shall find, whosoever asks shall receive, that unto him that knocks it shall be opened. And he adds that whatever we ask the Father in his name shall be given us. It was no doubt for this reason that, long before the birth of our Lord, the Holy Spirit dictated these prophetic words, Draw me, we will run. By asking to be drawn, we desire an intimate union with the object of our love. If iron and fire were endowed with reason, and the iron could say, Draw me, would not that prove its desire to be identified with the fire to the point of sharing its substance? Well, this is precisely my prayer. I ask Jesus to draw me into the fire of his love, and to unite me so closely to himself that he may live and act in me. I feel that the more the fire of love consumes my heart, so much the more shall I say, Draw me, and the more also will souls who draw near me run swiftly in the sweet odor of the Beloved. Yes, they will run. We shall all run together, for souls that are on fire can never be at rest. They may indeed, like St. Mary Magdalene, sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to his sweet and burning words, but, though they seem to give him nothing, they give much more than Martha, who busied herself about many things. It is not Martha's work that our Lord blames, but her over-solicitude. His blessed mother humbly occupied herself in the same kind of work when she prepared the meals for the Holy Family. All the saints have understood this, especially those who have illumined the earth with the light of Christ's teaching. Was it not from prayer that St. Paul, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, 
St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa, and so many other friends of God, drew that wonderful science which has enthralled the loftiest minds? Give me a lever and a fulcrum on which to lean it, said Archimedes, and I will lift the world. What he could not obtain because his request had only a material end, without reference to God, the saints have obtained in all its fullness. They lean on God Almighty's power itself, and their lever is the prayer that inflames with love's fire. With this lever they have raised the world. With this lever the saints of the church militant still raise it, and will raise it to the end of time. Dear Mother, I have still to tell you what I understand by the sweet odor of the Beloved. As our Lord is now in heaven, I can only follow Him by the footprints He has left, footprints full of life, full of fragrance. I have only to open the Holy Gospels, and at once I breathe the perfume of Jesus, and I then know which way to run, and it is not to the first place, but to the last, that I hasten. I leave the Pharisee to go up, and full of confidence I repeat the humble prayer of the publican. Above all, I follow Magdalen, for the amazing, rather I should say, the loving audacity that delights the heart of Jesus, has cast its spell upon me. It is not because I have been preserved from mortal sin, that I lift up my heart to God in trust and love. I feel that even had I on my conscience every crime one could commit, I should lose nothing of my confidence, my heart broken with sorrow, I would throw myself into the arms of my Savior. I know that he loves the prodigal son. I have heard his words to St. Mary Magdalene, to the woman taken in adultery, and to the woman of Samaria. No one could frighten me, for I know what to believe concerning his mercy and his love. And I know that all that multitude of sins would disappear in an instant, even as a drop of water cast into a flaming furnace. It is told in the lives of the fathers of the desert how one of them converted a public sinner, whose evil deeds were the scandal of the whole country. This wicked woman, touched by grace, followed the saint into the desert, there to perform rigorous penance. But on the first night of the journey, before even reaching the place of her retirement, the bonds that bound her to earth were broken by the vehemence of her loving sorrow. The holy man, at the same instant, saw her soul borne by angels to the bosom of God. This is a striking example of what I want to say, but these things cannot be expressed. Dearest mother, if weak and imperfect souls like mine felt what I feel, none would despair of reaching the summit of the mountain of love, since Jesus does not ask for great deeds, but only for gratitude and self-surrender. He says, I will not take the he-goats from out of the flocks, for all the beasts of the forest are mine, the cattle on the hills and the oxen. I know all the fowls of the air. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Shall I eat the flesh of bullocks, or shall I drink the blood of goats? Offer to God the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Psalm forty-nine, fifty, verses 9 through 14. This is all our Lord claims from us. He has need of our love. He has no need of our works. The same God, who declares that he has no need to tell us if he be hungry, did not disdain to beg a little water from the Samaritan woman. He was athirst, but when he said, Give me to drink, John 4, verse 7, he, the creator of the universe, asked for the love of his creature. He thirsted for love, and this thirst of our divine Lord was ever on the increase. Amongst the disciples of the world, he meets with nothing but indifference and ingratitude, and alas, 
among his own how few hearts surrender themselves without reserve to the infinite tenderness of his love happy are we who are privileged to understand the inmost secrets of our divine spouse if you dear mother would but set down in writing all you know what wonders could you not unfold but like our blessed lady you prefer to keep all these things in your heart footnote cross-reference luke two verse nineteen and footnote to me you say that it is honorable to reveal and confess the world of god tobias twelve verse seven yet you are right to keep silence for no earthly words can convey the secrets of heaven as for me in spite of all i have written i have not as yet begun i see so many beautiful horizons such infinitely varied tints that the palette of the divine painter will alone after the darkness of this life be able to supply me with the colors wherewith i may portray the wonders that my soul descries since however you have expressed a desire to penetrate into the hidden sanctuary of my heart and to have in writing what was the most consoling dream of my life i will end this story of my soul by an act of obedience if you will allow me it is to jesus i will address myself for in this way i shall speak more easily you may find my expression somewhat exaggerated but i assure you there is no exaggeration in my heart there all is calm and peace o oh, my jesus who can say how tenderly and gently thou dost lead my soul the storm had raged there ever since easter the glorious feast of thy triumph until in the month of may there shone through the darkness of my night one bright ray of grace my mind dwelt on mysterious dreams sent sometimes to thy favored ones and i thought how such a consolation was not to be mine that for me it was night always the dark night in the midst of the storm i fell asleep the following day may ten just at dawn i dreamt that i was walking in a gallery alone with our mother suddenly without knowing how they had entered i perceived three carmelites in mantles and long veils and i knew they came from heaven ah i thought how glad i should be if i could but look on the face of one of these carmelites and as if my wish had been heard i saw the tallest of the three saints advance towards me an inexpressible joy took possession of me as she raised her veil and then covered me with it at once i recognized our venerable mother anne of jesus foundress of the carmel in france footnote the venerable mother anne of jesus in the world anne of lobera was born in spain in fifteen forty five she entered the carmelite order in fifteen seventy in the first convent of saint joseph of avila and shortly afterwards became the counsellor and coadjutor of saint teresa who called her her daughter and her crown saint john of the cross who was her spiritual director for fourteen years described her as a seraph incarnate and her prudence and sanctity were held in such esteem that most learned men consulted her in their doubts and accepted her answers as oracles she was always faithful to the spirit of saint teresa and had received from heaven the mission to restore the carmel to its primitive perfection having founded three convents of the reform in spain she established one in france and another in belgium she died in the odor of sanctity in the carmel of brussels on march fourth sixteen twenty one on may three eighteen seventy eight his holiness pope leo the thirteenth signed the decree introducing the cause of her beatification End footnote. her face was beautiful with an unearthly beauty no rays came from it and yet in spite of the thick veil which enveloped us i could see it suffused by a soft light which seemed to emanate from her heavenly countenance 
she caressed me tenderly and seeing myself the object of such affection i made bold to say dear mother i entreat you tell me will our lord leave me much longer in this world will he not soon come to fetch me she smiled sweetly and answered yes soon very soon i promise you dear mother i said again tell me if he does not want more from me than these poor little acts and desires that i offer him is he pleased with me then our venerable mother's face shone with a new splendor and her expression became still more gracious the good god asks no more of you she said he is pleased quite pleased and taking my head between her hands she kissed me so tenderly that it would be impossible to describe the joy i felt my heart was overflowing with gladness and remembering my sisters i was about to beseech some favor for them when alas i awoke my happiness was too great for words many months have passed since i had this wonderful dream and yet its memory is as fresh and delightful as ever i can still picture the loving smiles of this holy carmelite and feel her fond caresses o oh, jesus thou didst command the winds and the storm and there came a great calm matthew eight verse ten on waking i realize that heaven does indeed exist and that this heaven is peopled with souls who cherish me as their child and this impression still remains with me all the sweeter because up to that time i had but little devotion to the venerable mother anne of jesus i had never sought her help and but rarely heard her name and now i know and understand how constantly i was in her thoughts and the knowledge as to my love for her and for all the dear ones in my father's home o oh, my beloved this was but the prelude of graces yet greater which thou didst desire to heap upon me let me remind thee of them to-day and forgive my folly if i venture to tell thee once more of my hopes and my heart's well-nigh infinite longings forgive me and grant my desire that it may be well with my soul to be thy spouse o oh my jesus to be a daughter of carmel and by my union with thee to be the mother of souls should not all this content me and yet other vocations make themselves felt i feel called to the priesthood and to the apostolate i would be a martyr a doctor of the church i should like to accomplish the most heroic deeds the spirit of the crusader burns within me and i long to die on the fields of battle in defense of holy church the vocation of a priest with what love my jesus would i bear thee in my hand when my words brought thee down from heaven with what love would i give thee to souls and yet while longing to be a priest i admire and envy the humility of saint francis of assisi and am drawn to imitate him by refusing the sublime dignity of the priesthood footnote saint francis of assisi out of humility refused to accept the sublime dignity of the priesthood and remained a deacon until his death editor and footnote how reconcile these opposite tendencies like the prophets and doctors i would be a light unto souls i would travel to every land to preach thy name o my beloved and raise on heathen soil the glorious standard of thy cross one mission alone would not satisfy my longings i would spread the gospel to the ends of the earth even to the most distant isles i would be a missionary not for a few years only but were it possible from the beginning of the world to the consummation of time above all i thirst for the martyr's crown it was the desire of my earliest days and the desire has deepened with the years past in the carmel's narrow cell but this too is folly since i do not sigh for one torment i need them all to slake my thirst 
like thee o adorable spouse i would be scourged i would be crucified i would be flayed like saint bartholomew plunged into boiling oil like saint john or like saint ignatius of antioch ground by the teeth of wild beasts into a bread worthy of god footnote an allusion to the beautiful words of the martyr saint ignatius of antioch uttered when he heard the roar of the lions in the roman arena i am the wheat of christ let me be ground by the teeth of the wild beasts that i may become clean bread editor and footnote with saint agnes and saint cecilia i would offer my neck to the sword of the executioner and like joan of arc i would murmur the name of jesus at the stake my heart thrills at the thought of the frightful tortures christians are to suffer at the time of antichrist and i long to undergo them all open o jesus the book of life in which are written the deeds of thy saints all the deeds told in that book i long to have accomplished for thee to such folly as this what answer wilt thou make is there on the face of this earth a soul more feeble than mine and yet precisely because i am feeble it has delighted thee to accede to my least and most childlike desires and to-day it is thy good pleasure to realize those other desires more vast than the universe these aspirations becoming my true martyrdom i open one day the epistles of st paul to seek relief in my sufferings my eyes fell on the twelfth and thirteenth chapters of the first epistle to the corinthians i read that all cannot be apostles prophets and doctors that the church is composed of different members that the eye cannot also be the hand the answer was clear but it did not fulfill my desires or give me the peace i sought then descending into the depths of my nothingness i was so lifted up that i reached my aim st john of the cross without being discouraged i read on and found comfort in this counsel be zealous for the better gifts and i show unto you a yet more excellent way first corinthians twelve verse thirty one the apostle then explains how all perfect gifts are nothing without love that charity is the most excellent way of going surely to god at last i had found rest meditating on the mystical body of the holy church i could not recognize myself among any of its members as described by st paul or was it not rather that i wished to recognize myself in all charity provided me with the key to my vocation i understood that since the church is a body composed of different members the noblest and most important of all the organs would not be wanting i knew that the church has a heart that this heart burns with love and that it is love alone which gives life to its members i knew that if this love were extinguished the apostles would no longer preach the gospel and the martyrs would refuse to shed their blood i understood that love embraces all vocations that it is all things and that it reaches out through all the ages and to the uttermost limits of the earth because it is eternal then beside myself with joy i cried out o oh, jesus my love at last i have found my vocation my vocation is love yes i have found my place in the bosom of the church and this place o oh my god thou hast thyself given to me in the heart of the church my mother i will be love thus i shall be all things thus will my dream be realized why do i say i am beside myself with joy this does not convey my thought rather it is peace which has become my portion the calm peace of the sailor when he catches sight of the beacon which lights him to port o oh, luminous beacon of love i know how to come even unto thee i have found the means of borrowing thy fires 
I am but a weak and helpless child, yet it is my very weakness which makes me dare to offer myself, O oh Jesus, as victim to thy love. In olden days pure and spotless holocausts alone were acceptable to the omnipotent God, nor could his justice be appeased, save by the most perfect sacrifices. But the law of fear has given place to the law of love, and love has chosen me, a weak and imperfect creature, as its victim. Is not such a choice worthy of God's love? Yea, for in order that love may be fully satisfied, it must stoop even unto nothingness, and must transform that nothingness into fire. O oh my God, I know it. Love is repaid by love alone. St. John of the Cross Therefore I have sought, I have found, how to ease my heart by rendering thee love for love. Use the riches that make men unjust to find you friends who may receive you into everlasting dwellings. Footnote Cross-reference Luke 16, verse 9 End footnote This, O Lord, is the advice thou gavest to thy disciples after complaining that the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. Luke 16, verse 8. Child of light, as I am, I understood that my desires to be all things, and to embrace all vocations, were riches that might well make me unjust. So I set to work to use them for the making of friends. Mindful of the prayer of Eliseus, when he asked the prophet Elias for his double spirit, I presented myself before the company of the angels and saints and addressed them thus. I am the least of all creatures. I know my mean estate, but I know that noble and generous hearts love to do good. Therefore, O blessed inhabitants of the celestial city, I entreat you to adopt me as your child. All the glory that you help me to acquire will be yours. Only deign to hear my prayer, and obtain for me a double portion of the love of God. O oh my God, I cannot measure the extent of my request. I should fear to be crushed by the very weight of its audacity. My only excuse is my claim to childhood, and that children do not grasp the full meaning of their words. Yet if a father or mother were on the throne and possessed vast treasures, they would not hesitate to grant the desires of those little ones, more dear to them than life itself. To give them pleasure they will stoop even unto folly. Well, I am a child of Holy Church, and the Church is a queen, because she is now espoused to the divine King of Kings. I ask not for riches or glory, not even the glory of heaven. That belongs by right to my brothers, the angels and saints, and my own glory shall be the radiance that streams from the queenly brow of my mother, the church. Nay, I ask for love. To love thee, Jesus, is now my only desire. Great deeds are not for me. I cannot preach the gospel or shed my blood. No matter. My brothers work in my stead. And I, a little child, shall stay close to the throne, and love thee for all who are in the strife. But how shall I show my love, since love proves itself by deeds? Well, the little child will strew flowers. She will embrace the divine throne with their fragrance. She will sing love's canticle in silvery tones. Yes, my beloved, it is thus my short life shall be spent in thy sight. The only way I have of proving my love is to strew flowers before thee. That is to say, I will let no tiny sacrifice pass, no look, no word. I wish to profit by the smallest actions, and to do them for love. I wish to suffer for love's sake, and for love's sake even to rejoice. Thus I shall strew flowers. Not one shall I find without scattering its petals before thee. And I will sing, I will sing always, even if my roses must be gathered from amidst thorns, 
and the longer and sharper the thorns, the sweeter shall be my song. But of what avail to thee, my Jesus, are my flowers and my songs? I know it well. This fragrant shower, these delicate petals of little price, these songs of love from a poor little heart like mine, will nevertheless be pleasing unto thee. Trifles they are, but thou wilt smile on them. The church triumphant, stooping towards her child, will gather up these scattered rose leaves, and, placing them in thy divine hands, there to acquire an infinite value, will shower them on the church suffering to extinguish its flames, and on the church militant to obtain its victory. O oh, my Jesus, I love thee. I love my mother, the church. I bear in mind that the least act of pure love is of more value to her than all other works together. St. John of the Cross but is this pure love really in my heart? Are not my boundless desires but dreams, but foolishness? If this be so, I beseech thee to enlighten me. Thou knowest I seek but the truth. If my desires be rash, then deliver me from them, and from this most grievous of all martyrdoms. And yet I confess, if I reach not those heights to which my soul aspires, this very martyrdom, this foolishness, will have been sweeter to me than eternal bliss will be unless by a miracle thou shouldest take from me all memory of the hopes I entertained upon earth. Jesus, Jesus, if the mere desire of thy love awakens such delight, what will it be to possess it, to enjoy it forever? How can a soul so imperfect as mine aspire to the plenitude of love? What is the key of this mystery? O oh, my only friend, why dost thou not reserve these infinite longings to lofty souls, to the eagles that soar in the heights? Alas! I am but a poor little unfledged bird. I am not an eagle. I have but the eagle's eyes and heart. Yet, notwithstanding my exceeding littleness, I dare to gaze upon the divine sun of love, and I burn to dart upwards unto him. I would fly. I would imitate the eagles. But all that I can do is to lift up my little wings. It is beyond my feeble power to soar. What is to become of me? Must I die of sorrow because of my helplessness? Oh, no! I will not even grieve. With daring self-abandonment, there I will remain until death, my gaze fixed upon that divine sun. Nothing shall affright me, nor wind, nor rain. And should impenetrable clouds conceal the orb of love, and should I seem to believe that beyond this life there is only darkness, that would be the hour of perfect joy, the hour in which to push my confidence to its uttermost bounds. I should not dare to detach my gaze, well knowing that beyond the dark clouds the sweet sun still shines. So far, O oh my God, I understand thy love for thee. But thou knowest how often I forget this, my only care. I stray from thy side, and my scarcely fledged wings become draggled in the muddy pools of earth. Then I lament like a young swallow. Isaiah 38, verse 14. And my lament tells thee all, and I remember, O oh infinite mercy, that thou didst not come to call the just, but sinners. Matthew 9, verse 15. Yet shouldst thou still be deaf to the plaintive cries of thy feeble creature, shouldst thou still be veiled, then I am content to remain benumbed with cold, my wings bedraggled, and once more I rejoice in this well-deserved suffering. O oh, son, my only love, I am happy to feel myself so small, so frail in thy sunshine, and I am in peace. I know that all the eagles of thy celestial court have pity on me. They guard and defend me. They put to flight the vultures, the demons that fain would devour me. 
I fear them not, these demons. I am not destined to be their prey, but the prey of the divine eagle. O eternal word, O my Savior, thou art the divine eagle whom I love, who lurest me. Thou who, descending to this land of exile, didst will to suffer and to die, in order to bear away the souls of men and plunge them into the very heart of the blessed Trinity, love's eternal home. Thou who, reascending into inaccessible light, dost still remain concealed here in our veil of tears under the snow-white semblance of the host, and this, to nourish me with thine own substance, O Jesus, forgive me if I tell thee that thy love reacheth even unto folly. And in face of this folly, what wilt thou, but that my heart leap up to thee? How could my trust have any limits? I know that the saints have made themselves as fools for thy sake. Being eagles, they have done great things. I am too little for great things, and my folly it is to hope that thy love accepts me as victim. My folly it is to count on the aid of angels and saints, in order that I may fly unto thee with thine own wings, O my divine eagle. For as long as the time as thou willest I shall remain, my eyes fixed upon thee. I long to be allured by thy divine eyes, I would become love's prey. I have the hope that thou wilt one day swoop down upon me, and, bearing me away to the source of all love, thou wilt plunge me at last into the glowing abyss, that I may become forever its happy victim. O oh, Jesus, would that I could tell all little souls of thine ineffable condescension! I feel that if by any possibility thou couldst find one weaker than my own, thou wouldst take delight in loading her with still greater favors, provided that she abandoned herself with entire confidence to thine infinite mercy. But, O oh my spouse, why these desires of mine to make known the secrets of thy love? Is it not thyself alone who hast taught them to me, and canst thou not unveil them to others? Yea, I know it, and this I implore thee. I entreat thee to let thy divine eyes rest upon a vast number of little souls, I entreat thee to choose, in this world, a legion of little victims of thy love. End of chapter 11